Hey, what's happening, y'all? It's Brandon here. Thank you so much for listening to the Great Effing Spiritual Awakening Podcast. I really hope you guys are all thriving, and I hope you guys are holding your focus on the things that bring you joy and happiness and love. And in this week's episode, I had the opportunity to sit down with a really good friend of ours, Aaron Brown. If any of you are looking to use your spiritual gifts to help others or maybe even start a business, please give this episode a listen. Erin talks a little bit about her new spiritual venture and how her career in the medical field has actually merged with that new spiritual venture. And be sure to listen to the end. Erin talks a little about how we all met, and it was just a really unique story about law of attraction and synchronicity. So guys, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review if you are guided to do so. It just helps bring awareness to the show, and it can help expose it to others who might need this content. Again, I appreciate you all listening, and I hope you guys enjoy episode 41. Hello? Is, is anyone there? Somebody, help me, please. Okay, this is actually not so bad. Thank you to everybody listening. Thank you, um, guys. I really appreciate you holding your attention here on the podcast. Um, if you're, you guys are listening and you, you're wanting to realize your gifts and you know translate that into a way to help and just heal others, um, you'll want to stay tuned because one of my very good friends is here today. Uh, this person is somebody who my wife and I actually met through this podcast, um, and she has just realized her gifts, and she's on this journey of, you know, using them to help others as well, which is just really cool. It's, it, that excites me, just seeing someone create something that just heals and inspires is really inspiring in itself. So I don't want to spoil too much of it <laughs> for you guys, but I want to let uh, her tell her own story. So Aaron Brown, Thank you so much for yes. joining me today. <laughs> Thank you for being yes, here. Yes, of course. I'm so glad we were finally able to get it together. Like, I know. We kind of missed each other. I know. I know. And the Zoom call was giving us problems just a second ago, but we did it. <laughs> we're here. Um, I'm really excited to talk to you today because I obviously have followed your journey. You're just on the verge of opening this beautiful wellness center. You're in here painting right now <laughs> as, we're, as we're doing the podcast. And this, it, it looks amazing. Like, but if you could, for everybody listening, uh, just tell them a little bit about yourself, where you're from, like what you do for a living. Uh, my name is Erin. I was born in Virginia, but my dad was in the Air Force. So I traveled a lot as a kid. I lived in Alaska for a while. I lived in Texas for a while, South Carolina. So I've kind of been everywhere. I did spend most of my time growing up in Virginia, I'll say. My husband and I met when we were very young. Um, we got married. I was 20 when we got married. So we're coming up on 25 years of marriage already. So congratulations. That's, really cool. that's awesome. Thank you. Um, so I started out working for Four Eyes way back 20 some odd years ago, um, not really knowing anything about glasses or eyes or anything. And then one day someone came into a different shop I was in from an ophthalmologist's office. Oh. And said, oh, we're looking for people. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. So I went and applied um, and got hired as an ophthalmic technician. 
technician, which is very similar to a nurse, except they concentrate only on the eyes. Mm-hmm. But when they hired me, I had no idea what I was doing <laughs> or anything. So they literally trained me from the ground up. Um, and I did. So I was an ophthalmic technician, uh, ophthalmic nurse for 20 years. And what I did was I did eye exams all day long. The person who sits across from you and says, which one is better? One or two. <laughs> oh, That's my me. Gosh. That's what I oh. did. <laughs> and then um, one day my nephew had gotten a new job and he said, hey, come, come see the center where I'm going to be working. And he said he was in healthcare simulation and being in healthcare, I thought surely I would have heard of this, but I had not ever heard of it. Right. So I went to the university where he works and he showed me around and I, I can't even tell you when I walked in the door, it was very much that I need to be here feeling like, oh my God, I'm in the wrong right. place. I need to be here. Mm-hmm. And at the time they were just starting to build that location. And he said, well, we're going to need people um, go ahead and apply. So I applied and I was interviewed and then okay. nothing happened for two years. Oh my God. <laughs> years I was talking to my nephew all the time I'm like come on man what's going on he's like dude we just aren't ready yet we aren't ready yet and then they finally brought me on one day a week and then eventually it turned into full-time so what I do there I work for Rosalind Franklin University okay. uh, it's a graduate level school we have MD students we have nurse anesthesia nutritionist it's all PhD MD level classes right um And what I do is I work in healthcare simulation. So we have these amazing mannequins. Don't call them dummies because they're definitely not dumb. (laughs) Um, And we program them so the students can practice on them before they practice on people. So these mannequins are capable of having surgery, of having babies, of losing limbs, of suddenly stopping breathing. Like, um, for example, I work with nurse anesthesia students a lot. And so they have to practice putting the mannequin under. And when I'm working with them, I'm sitting in a control room watching them and I'm watching for cues from them. So like, for example, they give propofol. That's my cue to slow the breathing down and stuff like that. But if I don't hear the cue, I don't stop. So that's how the teacher knows that they missed something. Right, right. I got you. That is really cool. And I want to get back to that. I do want to get back to that because I, I always feel like it, with, when it comes to science and when it comes to spirituality, there's this, you know, there's this kind of uh, friction that happens. Um, I do want to get back yes. to that. But before that, I want you to talk about your business, talk about what you're opening, talk about uh, what you're giving to people, because I think that's really, really important to share that. So um, I've been in healthcare my whole life. I've always wanted to help people. Um, I had a dream one day of having my own office and now I have my own office, but I was sitting in that office and looking around and going, this isn't, this isn't it. This isn't quite it, you know, but it was great. It felt great. And then I had my awakening, which I'll tell you about later, but I had my awakening and I met this girl, Heather at a, at an expo. Okay. And I don't know how to explain to you what happened. It was like an explosion of creativity happened. She and I came together. This was just in August, mind you. This is August 16th, I think was the day we met. Right. And we started talking and I was telling her how I was really wanting to bridge the gap between metaphysical science and physical science, because right now they're not talking to each other and there's benefits to both. But if they're not communicating, how are they supposed to know that? Right. Right. So we started talking about it and I started to uh, do Reiki Mm -hmm. um, myself. 
I got Reiki certified through level three. And I was doing Reiki at kind of health fairs here and there or in people's houses, not really much, honestly. Right. And mm-hmm. then for some reason, we were at this last health fair we were at and somebody asked us, hey, have you thought about getting a space? And we kind of looked at each other and we were like, not really. And then <laughs> the person said, well, I think you should. Right. And within a month, we had a space. What we're doing is we're building a wellness center that offers a place where you can come in, sit down by the fireplace, make yourself a cup of coffee or hot chocolate or hot tea. Mm -hmm. You can borrow a book because I have all these books I bought, you know, when I was going through my awakening, you kind of, you don't know what you're looking for. So I bought all these books and so many of them just don't resonate with me. So I'm going to have them here. You can come in, sit down, open the book, leaf through it. You can borrow it to see if it speaks to you before you buy it. Because I think that's really important. You don't need to waste all this money, you know? Yes, I agree. Um, there's, yep. There's also going to be, um, we're going to have classes. So we'll have meditation classes where you can learn how to meditate. We'll have um, people from the community come in. Like we know a sound healer who will come in one evening and do a sound healing class. And we'll have someone come in. Um, in the university, I work with a woman who's very, very good at communication. So right. I want her to come in and class on thoughtful communication, you know, mm-hmm. so we'll have classes. Um, we do energy alchemy and Reiki and we'll offer that. But what makes us unique is that I have taken my health healthcare background and built a unique electronic medical records system. The purpose being... I want to create this bridge, right? Mm-hmm. So how do you create the bridge with the scientists? They want to see the results. They always say, show me the results. If there's yes. no hard evidence, it doesn't work, right? Right. Yep. Well, there are studies here and there about Reiki, but nothing scientifically done in a way that satisfies someone in a science background, right? Like a doctor. Yeah. So in the EMR, I created um, a patient intake form, a patient checkout form, and a couple other things. And they're standardized questions across the board. Every patient asks, answers the same question on the same scale. So there's no skewing uh, at all for bias because I'm not filling it out. Right. So they fill it out, how they feel, how they feel they benefited, where they feel they are in relation to where they were. And we will check in with them every time they have something done. So if they come in and they say, I'm really struggling with um, accepting my cousin's death, say, okay. So they'll come in, we'll work with them. We might give them some podcasts to listen to or some (laughs) books to read. We'll work with them. We might do shadow work with them. And then we'll have them come back in X amount of time, refill out the form. So then we can pull those data points forward and show them, look, this is where you were. This is where you are. This either worked or didn't work. And we can adjust our course of action based on that. Wow. Then also what that does is if the time comes when there is going to be a study done or someone is interested, I can pull all that data out and it's all anonymous, but it will keep because it's standardized and because it's collected anonymously, I'm not involved. Right. It is able to be used in research. So I will have all the data points that researchers are looking for when they're compiling something. I'll have the before, the after, the effects, the side effects, all of that is being tallied. Wow. Yeah. My goal is to be the bridge, to be the first step on the bridge to pull them together because my own experience, I know medicine works, but I also know that this stuff works, right? So how can I, you know? That's what it is. I'm just trying to bring them together. No, that's so that's so cool because you know I'm starting to hear little rumblings of uh, 
the scientific studies of like mushrooms and and DMT and different things. And you doing this, this is a really big part of bridging that gap. And I think that's so important. And you are a part of that. Like you're you're going to be pushing that. So I think that's really, really awesome. I just, I want to say something real quick. Um, that was really impo- important that I, I wanted to bring up. I was reading your mission statement and um, I was just going to quote it really quick. Your mission statement um, is to help you navigate your own transformational journey by offering insightful tools and wisdom in a safe space where you can question and learn without fear or judgment for any reason. And I really believe, like, I really believe that this is so, so important when people come into this spiritual wellness space. Um, it's just, it's nice for people that use Reiki for healing or like people that, you know, just seek guidance from spirit uh, by using Oracle cards. Like, it's so important that they feel welcome and they don't feel that judgment. So I just, I really applaud you guys for doing what you're doing. Um, so, yeah. so I, I, I do want to uh, get a little more into uh, the business, but um, I did want to ask you a couple questions. So obviously um, okay. there's a, there's a lot of people listening and I feel like a lot of people can resonate with everyone's experiences of when they're going through spiritual awakening. Um, so this podcast is obviously called the great effing spiritual awakening. <laughs> and uh, I do speak often of that moment when I realized that, you know, I was being guided by spirit and that like, we're all connected and I became really sensitive to these energies. Um, so could you describe what your awakening experience was like and what the, the biggest change about the way that you approach life since that happened? Wow, that's a hard question. Uh, yeah. Because, yeah, it, <laughs> you know, when you're going through spiritual awakening, you try to tell people, and you're like, dude, I wish I just had the words to tell you, but I just yep. don't have them, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, as best as you can. <laughs> yeah. So it basically started about two years ago. I had, uh, well, three years ago, I had been diagnosed with a serious blood disorder called APS or antiphospholipid syndrome. And what it is, is your red blood cells, the protein that covers your red blood cells is stripped and it makes the red blood cells sticky and they stick together causing clots. And um, the only way to treat this, there's no way to cure this. And the only way to treat this is to take blood thinners every day, right? Okay. So they arrived at this diagnosis after I had an episode of several blood clots all at one time. Um, no reason otherwise. So I can't, uh, and there's a blood test they do for this that you have to have twice. And I did, they did the test at the time of the event when I had the blood clots and it came back positive. And then they're supposed to repeat the test in, in six months to make sure it's still positive. Okay. So I get out of the hospital, I go to the doctor, to the hematologist, and he started me on Coumadin. And of course, because that's just how I work, I'm Coumadin resistant. I was taking such large doses of Coumadin to try to keep myself from clotting that it was making me really sick. Like my oh, hair okay. was falling out. It was bad. And that's what that so, does. But it, that, I was still, I'm sorry. That keeps you from clotting? No. Just, just, okay. I just yes. wasn't. Okay. Awesome. Yes. Warfarin, Coumadin, it's an anti-clotting agent. Yeah. Okay. So it was making me really sick. So they had to switch me to an injection. So I went from taking a pill every day to injecting myself twice a day, every day with this stuff. Um, I would have huge knots and bruises all over me from this. Um, And then, you know, one day I was sitting at my computer at work and I was thinking to myself, you know, I work for a medical school. I have this enormous 
incredibly rich library at my disposal. Why don't I research this? Right? right. So I started researching and looking into it. And I actually found out the name of the doctor who discovered the disorder. And I emailed him in uh, England where he's still practicing and explained everything to him. And he kind of, he got back to me and he's kind of like, well, what did the second test say? And when he said that, I realized, wait, they never did the second test, right? And it had been a year at this time or a year and a half by this time. So I go to my primary care doctor and I said, I don't think they did this test. And of course he's like, no, no, I'm sure they did. I'll look, I'll look. Um, Mm -hmm. It had not been done. He goes, I'll just order it just so we have it. No big deal. He ordered it. I go have the test done. The next day I get a call and he says, I need you to stop taking this medication immediately. You do not have this disease. And you've been injecting yourself with blood thinner for two years every day. No. And yeah. And there's no long-term studies to say if I've damaged my my organs from this, Mm -hmm. there's nothing. So when that happened, it literally stripped my identity from me because I had become so identified with the disease. Mm-hmm. Like I would introduce myself to people and immediately somehow it would come up in the conversation. I have APS. Oh, I, I'm yeah. very sick. I can't, I can't go on roller coaster. I can't go here. You know, it had become a huge part of my identity. Right. So when that was suddenly gone, I didn't know what to do. Like I genuinely felt like I didn't know who I was or where I was or what was going on. It was a total mental collapse for me. And I even, I even felt ashamed. Like I have to call all these people now and tell them all that time they worried about me. I didn't even have the disease, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I could definitely can cause a little guilt. Yeah. And the shame and just, it was horrible. And I, I wish I could explain to you what happened. But one day I just thought, I, I'm going to go try to meditate. I'm going to try something to clear my brain. I just had to try something. And I went in and I sat down. And of course, my brain was going a thousand miles an hour and I couldn't concentrate and I couldn't sit. But just being in that space was nice. So mm-hmm. the next day I went back and I like cleared out a space. I have a walk-in closet and I cleared out half my stuff and made a little space for myself. And that day I had to put blinds on, you know, a blindfold on in here right. because everything was, but eventually it got quieter and quieter. After a couple of weeks, I started to notice this weird, like, I keep calling it a current because I don't know what else to describe it as. Mm-hmm. It, it feels like, you know, if you stand on a vent that's barely on, but you right. can still feel it a little bit, that's yep. what it feels like. And around my feet and my hands. And I didn't know what it was. And I went to a metaphysical shop in my town and was talking to her. And she's like, honey, I think you're having a spiritual awakening. And I was like, what? (laughs) (laughs) You know, and it was like, as soon as she said that, it was an explosion. Like I started grabbing books and reading everything I could. Um, I sort of floundered around for a while and then somehow came across Ram Dass. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he was a big spiritual teacher and I started reading his stuff and it was like, I couldn't read anything else. I voraciously consumed these books in a month. I read like five or six of his books. I just could not stop myself. Right. And I started to practice some of the Hindu traditions that he practiced because I thought, well, maybe I'll try that. 
And the more I did it, the quieter my mind got, the more I would start to hear things and see things and pick up on things. And it kind of just launched from there. Wow. I mean, there's a lot has happened and I'm sure I left a lot out, but or yeah. I kept ha- oh, I keep wanting to tell you all this stuff. There's so much to tell you, but <laughs> that's, I don't, I don't that's necessi- it in a nutshell. Yeah. I don't necessarily know that we have one spiritual awakening throughout our lifetime. I feel like as we evolve and we kind of like, like let go of these blocks and let go of this resistance, like, you know, there's more that comes in. Like my wife, for instance, you know, she's had premonitions and she's seen things and felt things. And, you know, when it started happening, it it would frighten her. But once she was able to kind of let go and she understood it and, you know, she was able to kind of, you know, do a lot of research, um, she was able to kind of come to terms with it. And now it's something that she takes pride in and it's a gift of hers. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's, it's never, it's never one little thing. Like it's even for me, for instance, like I'm, you know, when it happened for me, I just felt super connected and I felt pure and I felt everyone and everything was so joyful and euphoric. And then, you know, you transition into that shadow part where you're (laughs) digging up old things and you're feeling really negative and you know, so it can be yeah. a lot of different things. You're so right. Um, so with that, when, when you were talking about the, the energy, what it feels like to you when there's something, you know, when the air is coming through the vent on the floor, mm-hmm. I, I do want to talk about that process. Like when you do per- perform Reiki, because I've only yeah. had one Reiki session and, but at the time I didn't really, I didn't trust it. I, it was before my spiritual awakening. I didn't really allow myself to like settle into it, you know, and trust it. And I was a bit, a bit skeptical, a bit skeptical. But uh, when I do get to Illinois, when you guys open, I'm definitely asking for Aaron Brown, trust me. Um, But, (laughs) but, but um, I know that uh, energy healing can be a very difficult thing for others to understand that are kind of new to this, you know, or to believe in. And I Mm -hmm. think this will help a lot of other people who may not understand Reiki um, or may not know that they are healers. So um, just if you could like de- ex- describe that process, like how does that work for you? What are you experiencing? Like, what are you feeling when you're healing or performing re- Reiki? Yeah. Okay, cool. So the first thing I do is I sit with them, with whoever, if it were you and I, I would sit across from you at a table and I would just talk to you first. Mm-hmm. What are you experiencing in your life? What kind of things are you going through? What are you looking for to come from this? And usually as I'm doing this, I start to get, you know, it's not an image. It's not like a picture. It's just knowing something. I I don't know. It's like just how you know two plus two is four. I'll just know something, Mm -hmm. right? And as I'm talking to you, I'll start picking up on little things like this. And I get you on the table. I'll get you relaxed. And the first thing I do is I'm going to scan your body. And I'll stand behind you. And I always ground myself. I always thank source for this opportunity to work as in service and then I ask mother earth to send her healing green energy up through my feet and I call it the parental bowl I'm talking to you like this sorry I call it the parental (laughs) bowl and I ask her um, to form this energy in this parental bowl of my heart chakra right and I picture what I see in my head is green sparkles you know kind of swirling around Mm -hmm. and then I ask for source source please may I share in your healing energy and may it be used for the greatest and highest good of this person. And then I can see this golden sparkly looking Mm -hmm. smoky light come down. It comes down and it mixes with the mother earth energy. 
Right. So now I have this. And by this time, my hands are usually really hot and really vibrating. So I'll start going down your body and energy to me, like your energy field almost feels like um, the best way I can explain it is I imagine it's what a fat suit feels like on somebody. Like yeah. I, I can physically feel it. I can manipulate it. I can squeeze it. I can push it. Wow. Um, and as I'm going down, if I feel an area that's really hot, it usually needs attention or an area that's really cold usually needs tension. Um, sometimes it's hard to explain, but I'll go over something and not physically feel anything, but know something. Okay. You know, like um, here's a perfect example. I did a session on a, a woman the other day. She's a police officer. She came in, she didn't have any physical complaints. Everything was fine. Did a session. And after the session, I was sitting with her and I kept saying, I, you know, I kept being guided back to your right hip. Is there something wrong with your hip? Is there something there? And she kept saying, no, I don't think so. Mm -hmm. She went to stand up out of the chair and sat back down real quick. She goes, oh, there is something wrong with my hip. I injured a ligament in there last oh. week and it's still sore. Oh. And I was like, okay. So while I may not always know exactly what it is, I'm guided. I'm sort of guided there. Right. So once I do the sweep, um, I allow, I just, I, I, I don't know how to explain it. I just kind of say, I, I let source guide me to where right. I need to be and I just listen. And sometimes I move a lot around somebody, um, run my hands kind of, I know that the listeners can't see, but kind of just hold it here. And if I feel something, I'll stay here. Right. Um, or if I feel something here, I'll see, I did this and my other arm started tingling. So oh. <laughs> Um, so usually the session is about 45 minutes and it's me moving around. Sometimes I get really lucky and I can get to an energy area that is, I call it loose for note, cause I don't have another term. It's where the energy doesn't feel as closely tight knit almost. And I can sort of, if I move kind of make like big swirly movements like this, it right. sort of separates the energy out and it allows things you don't need anymore to sort of exit. It's okay. like if you have attachment that's barely hanging on kind of thing, mm -hmm. sometimes you can get rid of it like that. I'm getting hot even talking to you about wow. it. I, <laughs> I would love to be able to understand that. Like that's, you know, I'm sure there's people listening who may feel the way you feel, but I would love to be able to understand how to, how to perform that and manipulate that. And I think that it's, it's so important too, that you're making sure you're tracking their progress too after those treatments like we were talking earlier because you can use this to to bridge that gap and you know I really really believe um that Reiki is so important it's it's so important to to help people heal and to help them release these blocks you know and and that can even help their health and things like that An one thing another thing that I I, I did really want to get into I know that sometimes like when I do or oracle readings, like I'll do little oracle readings with my friends and I don't charge them for it, but sometimes they all want to give me money. Okay. <laughs> and I feel guilty for asking or receiving payment for what I do and things like what you do because of how I've been programmed to think about the relationship between a spiritual service and money. So like in the spiritual space, there's there's so much kindness and compassion and there so many of us are givers we like to give and we want to use our gifts to like heal you know or bring light or clarity to others so um how how what is that what is that like for you you know 
do you do you feel guilt like how have you ever been able to let that go like how does that work for you guys I so for me I do feel very guilty uh Uh asking for money I have turned down money a couple times and then what tends to happen like we have a a client who we didn't want to take her money because we weren't in our space and we just did a session at her house and it felt like unprofessional you know right and we wouldn't take her money wouldn't take so then she just bought us um annual passes to the morton arboretum which is this beautiful like uh, botanical garden Mm -hmm. you know so it's kind of like it's going to benefit, you know, she wanted to pay for it. Like I kind of try to look at it like me not allowing someone to pay for a service is almost insulting. Like it's like, I try to put myself in their shoe, right? right? So if you did something for me and I wanted to pay you for it and you said, no, I don't know how I'd feel about that, you know, but right. I feel better knowing that you would take it from me because then I feel like it's an exchange, right? Right. Instead right. of, just give, give, give. It's an exchange of services. And I try to also look at it like if I'm trying to normalize, you know, using quotes here, if I'm trying to normalize this type of thing, then payment for service is normal. You know, if you go get your haircut, you pay for it. If you go get manicure, you pay for it. It's the same type of thing. I do struggle with the price point a right. lot. <laughs> um, True. You know, so I would be fine. There's plenty of times I'm like, oh, whatever you want to get is fine. And it, you know, is great. But what we just try to remember is that this is normal. This is normal to pay Mm -hmm. for things. And when I'm in their spot, when I have Reiki, I want to pay for it. So I try to always remember that, you know. Right. I I know that's not a good answer. And I wish I had a better answer for you. But I don't. I'm guilty all the time. Yeah. But Heather... Luckily, Heather has a lot of history in retail. She worked for Tupperware and she was really big with Tupperware and she was she was like so good with Tupperware. She had the car. That's how good she was. Right. <laughs> um, so she knows about marketing and price points and stuff like that. And it's much easier for her to price these things. So I kind of mm. let her do it. But, um, you know, it, it I and I think she struggles with it as well. But right. at some point, you just have to be like you know, you're right. You're right. And I, that is something that I really struggle with. Like I have some, I have a relationship and I have beliefs about money that I'm working on releasing. And, you know, I listen to a lot of Abraham Hicks and she always talks, people always talk to her about their relationship with money. Um, And I think that's so important that uh, how you describe that to people, because there's lots of people who have these gifts and, you know, it's nothing wrong with making a living off of it. You know, it's, it's nothing wrong. It's, it's the way you think about it and the way you approach that um, situation. So I, I applaud you guys. I think that it is great what you guys are doing. Cassie and I are definitely coming up there next year at some point, seriously, when you guys open up, I'm not going to hold you all night, but I, I really thank you for being here. And if you can just kind of let everybody know where to reach you, uh, how to, how to find you guys. Um, and then I'll post it in the show notes too afterwards. Okay. So we are located in Schaumburg, Illinois. Our mm-hmm. phone number is 872-222-3220. Lots of twos. <laughs> um, we're at www.consciouschrysalis.net. Um, okay. You can reach us off the website. So it's really easy. Uh, I do want to tell the story of how we met before. Yes. We go. Yes. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> um, when all of this 
started with me, I discovered I had never listened to a podcast. Well, I had, but not frequently, you know, and all this was happening. And I was finding all these great podcasts and the title would say, um, you know, symptoms of ascension sickness. I'm like, great, great. So I start listening to the podcast and I'd listen for 45 minutes and they haven't talked about that yet. And it was getting really frustrating because I was listening to all these podcasts and I felt like I was spending so much time trying to find what they were actually going to talk about. Mm-hmm. And it's not that the content wasn't helpful, but it wasn't what I was looking for. I genuinely do not know where your podcast came from or how it got on my thing, but it popped up and I thought, let me check that one. And I clicked it and it was a short episode and I thought, hallelujah. <laughs> so I started listening to it and it was great because you got to the point immediately. You were talking about the subject immediately and it was fantastic. I was just about to go to Florida to see my dad who was sick. So I downloaded like all the episodes that were out. I listened on the plane. And in one of the episodes, Cassie had been on there and she was talking about how she had experienced these hot flashes, right? Mm -hmm. And I was experiencing that, but she never said what happened. Like she started talking about it and then she didn't say what the result was. So (laughs) I went on to your notes and I got her, met her um, name off of Instagram and I sent her an instant message and asked her. We kind of started talking back and forth. Meanwhile, I'm in Florida at my mom's house. I go downtown and I pass this little coffee shop and it's called the cattle dog. And I thought, oh, that's so cool because I actually have a tattoo of a cattle dog on my arm. So I took a picture of it and then I went and walked around and all this time I'm messaging Cassie. And then I said something about the rain. I said, yeah, it like stinks when you go on vacation, it rains all the time. She's like, yeah, it rains where I am a lot too. And I go, yeah, it's rainy and hot. And it kind of, we went back and forth. And then I was like, wait a minute, are you in Florida? And she said, yeah. And I go, oh my God, so am I. And she's like, Really? So I told her what town I, she was, oh my God, now we're in the same town. (laughs) That is, you could not have drawn that up better. That is like, no, yeah, that is, go ahead, go ahead. No, go ahead. And then I said, well, we have to get together. We have to meet. She's like, yeah, there's this great little place in town called the Cattle Dog. Do you want to go there? And I'm like, yeah, I know exactly where it is. <laughs> oh my gosh, man. I, you know, and Cassie and I talk about that story all the time. And if that wasn't two energies with the same point of focus, trying, you know, meeting each other like that, yeah. I, you could not have drawn that up any better. Like it was, no. that was so, in, so yeah. insane. But I yeah. just, I just am so grateful that you brought that up because I'm so grateful to have that experience. And I think too, what I learned from that, what I learned from meeting you is that I really want to branch out and meet people and like life just kind of opened up for me since I started this podcast and I want to meet people and I want to experience contrast and I want to make new friends in the spiritual world. And, you know, you're one of them, you know, so I just, I am so grateful for that experience. And I really, really am so glad that you wrote Cassie and we just met up and we, you know, we even yeah. had dinner last weekend when you came down every Thanksgiving, like it's yep. just, it's just created these lifelong friendships, you know, and I'm so grateful for that. I really yeah. am. Well, and I don't know how it was for you guys, but when I met you guys, it, I felt like I knew you, like we instantly, it was like, yep, I know these people. These are my, these are my peeps, right? Like I'm in the right spot. Like I right. knew exactly immediately, especially with Cassie, it was almost like, thing you know there it yes. is yes um, yeah that's how I, you I asked mean, go ahead go ahead oh I was just gonna say you asked what the biggest thing that changed that I noticed from this and mm-hmm. it is the fact that I'm not as judgmental of myself 
And so I step outside my boundaries more and reach out to people like Cassie and Heather, right. because I had met Heather at an expo. She was working a table. I walked up to her out of nowhere and started talking to her. And <laughs> through so cool. these, through doing this is how I've come to meet some of the most incredible people I know. But it wasn't until I stopped judging myself and stepped outside of myself that I was able to do that. So that was definitely the biggest change I could tell you that's happened for me. Oh, that's, you know, and I just want to say, I agree with that too. Like I, I, I do judge myself a lot. And I feel like since kind of opening up and since letting go is just so important because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a, a cancer and I'm really closed off and, and, you know, I'm an introvert and I think letting go of a lot of things, but for me, letting go of that resistance of wanting to meet people because deep down, like we all want to connect. And uh, once I was able to just let go of that resistance, like I just, my life opened up and like, I just, I wake up and I meditate and I'm just, I'm like one of those people I never thought I'd be. I, I like see a squirrel on the road and I wave <laughs> at it. And I like, I literally do this kind of stuff. I'm swimming with manatees in like 30 degree weather. Like it's, <laughs> it's insane. Yeah. So so yeah, you're yes. so right. You're so, so right. And I'm so glad you brought that up. But, um, but Aaron, I, I thank you so much. Heather, I thank you too, for, you know, just doing what you do and spreading light. And just, it's so important for me to, to recognize people that are spreading light and healing so that others can spread light and healing. I just want to keep this going, keep that domino effect going. Yeah. Okay. So thank you, Aaron. Yeah. You're awesome. Thank you. And the, your listeners, you know, on the website, there's a ton of blogs, there's newsletters. Um, mm -hmm. We are open to people emailing us. If you have a question, if you just need someone to talk to, please reach out. There's plenty of people to help you. You think you're by yourself. You think you're the only one going through this. You yeah. think you're crazy, yeah. but I promise you're not. <laughs> you're, okay. not <laughs> you're not crazy. You're not crazy. 